This podcast, which references the book The Lost Boys of Soho by William Hampson, represents the author's account, experiences and present recollections over time. Names, characteristics, descriptions, dates and locations have been changed to protect both personal and commercial identity, reputation and interest. Any similarity to real persons or business, living, dead or trading, is coincidental and not intended by the author. Come on, Will. We need to start the show. All right, Gloria, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm just bringing the tea. God, I feel like Mrs. Fucking Overall. Roll titles. I've always wanted to say that. Welcome to another week of Spilling the Tea with me, Gloria. How's it going, Will? (gasps) Oh my gosh, we're back. I'm good, thank you. And you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. It's great to be back. Look at these little cakes and sandwiches. They look divine. Although, you will have to remind me, is it jam or cream first? Um... So last week, you spilled the tea on Lost Boy Jack. Oh, just a little bit of tea. I mean, there's so much more to Jack, so many stories to tell, but just such little time. It was certainly an interesting relationship you guys had. There's quite a lot more in the book. And for anybody who's not heard the first serving of Spilling the Tea with Gloria, they can find it in Spotify and YouTube. Awesome. Have you heard from any of the Lost Boys regarding last week's show? Yeah, I had a couple of messages from a couple of Lost Boys that I've not heard from in quite a while, actually. Initial responses were, scream! And the initial response of another Lost Boy was, you shady bitch. And of (laughs) course, surprise, surprise, I heard from Rudy, who was making his way back to London from Manchester Pride with a group of friends in the car journey home. They listened to Serving One, Lost Boy Jack, and absolutely loved it. Awesome. And i got to say as well, Rudy is loving you, Gloria. Shut up! <laughs> so this week, you're spilling the tea on Lost Boy Adam, who, it seems, was a bit of a shady bitch with you at times. You know, you just never knew whether you were coming or going with Adam. And, you know, I wasn't the only one. But anyway, let's, let's, let's find out. Tell us about the first time you encountered Adam and your initial impression of him. So I first met Adam when I went for the interview at the pub. With an indoor setting, the law was that you had to wear a face covering and keep two metres apart. So we observed that at the interview. So initially it was quite hard to be able to um, understand Adam um, when he spoke through the mask. Uh So once we both sat down and got comfortable... Um, he shared that he would be um, using the interview questions that he had on his clipboard. And he told me that he'd just been promoted as a manager. So I I felt perhaps, you know, that this was his first run of interviews and perhaps he wasn't really experienced in, in recruitment. Uh-huh. Um, so perhaps was maybe just a, a little bit nervous. And he started off by apologising for the question that he was about to ask, which actually was, what were my preferred pronouns? Yeah, and- you said you don't subscribe to being asked your pronouns. Is that perhaps an unwillingness to move with the times or... Oh, no, not at all. You know, for me, I'm quite happy if somebody wishes to tell me their preferred pronouns, I'm more than happy to, to respect that. Yeah. From all my colleagues that have got a preferred pronoun, they'll tell you that, I've got an impeccable record for respecting their pronouns, you know. Awesome. Um, so much so that a couple of colleagues have said to me, oh my God, you're the only one that gets my pronoun um, right all the time. And I'm like, well, it's not, it's not really difficult, you know. Exactly. And I meet a lot of people, you know, I'm moving around pubs all the time, whether it's to help out or going to another company. I don't introduce myself as, hey, I'm Will, and my pronouns are he, him. This it just doesn't need to be, just doesn't need to be said. And while Adam agreed with me, he just said, oh, I, I just need to ask, you know, because we don't like to cause offence. I said, yeah, but actually what is causing offence is that you're alluding to the fact that I'm not what I appear to be. 
And then Adam went on to tell me that he kind of really took umbrage with the fact that somebody had at that time recently referred to him as uh, as cis. And I just was sat there looking at him gormless, you know, because I just thought, what's this guy on about? You know, and, then, and what did was... you initially think cis meant? Well, I thought I thought it was like a homophobic slur. I thought cis was short for sissy. Sissy? Oh, well. <laughs> God, just snorted. You know, then he explained God. to me that it was in reference to cis, cisgender. Uh-huh. And um, I just rolled my eyes, you know, and he kind of just rolled his eyes. <laughs> so once we, you know, just got the pronouns out of the way, yeah, we just went through all the, the rest of the interview questions. And by the end of the interview, Adam just said, you know, you seem like a really cool guy. You seem like you're so much fun. Uh, I think you'd be a perfect um, fit here. And I'd, I'd really like you to have, I'd really like to offer wow, you a job. Wow, so you must have made a good impression for him to offer you the job on the spot. <laughs> or desperate. Yeah, or desperate. I'm joking, of course. No, but you know, actually they were because he was telling me at the interview that they were really struggling to get applicants just to apply. So yeah. Normally they'd be inundated, you know, when they put a vacancy up for, for bar person. You know, two years earlier I'd applied for them when I was looking to get out of hotels and really even at that point two years before COVID-19 came along wanting to get out of um, the hotel sector and really just kind of just take a back seat and just do something really Mm. simple I applied for this pub and got an instant rejection and (laughs) I assume probably because I was overqualified whereas now COVID-19 and lockdown really did turn recruitment on its head so your first shift at the pub was with Adam and it seems like you both got on well even had friends in common. Yeah, we just had a really good time behind the bar, preparing the drinks and just really, you know, just having a good old gossip, really. So he shared with me that he'd spent quite a few years in the airline industry and then he'd met a drag queen. Awesome. And within a couple of weeks, they both moved in together, which resulted in him leaving the airline, which I thought was a little bit odd, actually. Yeah. Just didn't make sense. Um, he'd left his career at the airline, you know, because he'd, he'd worked Whoa. his way up, um, I think, to the first class cabin, which I think takes quite a few years. Uh-huh. And he was living this drag queen and then it just didn't work out. And then he just found himself in London, um, you know, working in pubs and bars. And I shared with him that I'd been a drag queen for 10 years. And in fact, I oh knew um, his ex-partner, who was also a drag queen. Um, in fact, that um, drag queen, had, you know, had booked me in my early days, actually. Um, but yeah, just really kind of just kicking back and, and going with the breeze, really. And you talk in the book about how you got a hint of tension between Adam and Jack. Yeah, and right from my first shift, really. So I, I spent the first part of my first day with Jack and go through paperwork and he took me on a tour of the pub and, you know, kind of doing the fire induction and things like yeah. that. And he kept saying to me, you know, Adam will be in and he'll take over the rest of your shift. And just as we were finishing up on the paperwork, he said, oh, I've just received a text message from Adam. She's just arrived. She's in the car park. She's nearly got run over by um, a <gasps> guy in a van and got into a bit of an altercation and she's, she's punched the van driver. <gasps> what? I thought, oh, that, that sounds nice. Mm. Adam arrived, acting like the madam. They had a bit of an exchange, which was quite friendly to begin with. I had Jack on my right-hand side and um, Adam on my left-hand side. And they were doing that thing where they're talking, code, not wanting to divulge any information <laughs> yeah. to me. And I literally was just like looking at them both, like I was watching a game of tennis. You know, I was to the right, to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right, to the left. <laughs> In the end, kind of not fully understanding what was going on, Adam then just said, oh, fuck off, you and just stormed out the oh fire exit door. And Jack seemed to be a little bit a little bit nervy, and um, I was felt a little bit awkward, so I just was like, oh, she's good, you know? And Jack was like, well, okay, she'll be back when she composes herself, but in the meantime, I'll show you the bar. Great. And Adam eventually came back and, you know, took over, and, and Jack disappeared to the office. 
And then when it came for time for Jack to go home, he came up to me and and um, just said, oh, I'm really sorry if I, if I went on a little bit earlier. I can assure you that I don't like the sound of my own voice, but I'm really sorry if I, if I bored you. And I just made a joke of it. And Jack said goodnight to me and, you know, said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your shift. Uh-huh. And said goodnight to Johnny, who was stood by the side of me, but just totally ignored Adam, who was literally just stood behind me to my left. As Jack was leaving, Adam just leant forward and in my ear just said, she does. And I said, does what? And Adam said, likes the sound of her own voice. And I just That's felt a little shady. bit uncomfortable, really. And yeah, as time went on, that kind of, you know, I kind of just saw it more and more. To the point where I was just constantly seeing Adam bad-mouthing Jack. And, you know, I understood they'd known each other for quite a few years. So they probably just got history or beef or whatever they call it. But it got to a point where it was just, it was really vitriolic and just what? really, it was affecting all the other new new starters that had started because Adam was sharing his opinions. And then all the new starters were really just bad-mouthing Jack to me all the time. What? And they were only just essentially repeating everything that Adam had been telling them. And then in one of mine and Jack's really long chats, I mentioned it to him one day. He said, oh, well, do you know what? He said, I know they bitch and talk about me um, behind my back. And um, I can't remember what I told him that they'd been saying. Oh, but do you know what? He said, they've been saying a lot worse to him. But do you know what? I really just couldn't give a fuck. I just, I just come to work, do my job and leave. Exactly. So, yeah, there was tension between Adam and Jack right from the very first day right to my last day. Um, but I never really kind of understood what worry was all about. By chapter four, I haven't got COVID. The relationship between you and Adam seems to turn a little sour. So yeah, this is really t- me talking about um, when I did seven COVID tests in one day. Uh-huh. So the day before, I lost boy Bobby and was feeling really unwell. But then everybody seemed to be unwell because everybody had this continuous cough apart from me. And I just thought, oh my God, you know, have they all got a virus? You know, have they all got the cold or flu or is this is this COVID? Because every single one of them just had this continuous cough. And when I say continuous, it was like every five or six seconds they were coughing. Yeah. Um, but what I did notice was Adam at the same time was sniffling under his face masks. We all had face masks on because this by this time customers were allowed inside, but they could only take their mask off when they were seated. But I seem to be the only person that didn't have any symptoms of a sniffle or a a continuous cough. Mm. So yeah, so Bobby had this continuous cough and he was feeling really weak and really tired and run down. He was sent home by Adam and it was later confirmed that Bobby had tested positive for COVID-19 once he'd been sent home. Yeah. And in the staff room, Rudy um, had shared with me that he'd also tested positive on a lateral floor, um, didn't know what to do. Shut up. And I said, well, he should really be doing the right thing and isolating at home and shouldn't be at work. Exactly. And he was struggling to make ends meet financially. So, you know, I couldn't have understood where he was coming from. He couldn't afford to self-isolate. Yeah. And then later in the shift, um, Emilio came up and was literally stood next to me and we were both just stood with our arms crossed leaning against the back of the bar just having a good old gossip really he just told me that he'd also tested positive for COVID-19 and it was a bit of a ball ache for him because he was due to go home to Italy in a couple of days Wow. So I got up the next morning and did my lateral flow test and it was negative Um, but it was just at the back of my mind I thought well you know if all these Lost boys at work are saying they've tested positive on a lateral flow test for COVID-19, then it's probably going to be inevitable that at some point I'm going to pick it up because, uh-huh. you know, we understood it was well publicised that wearing a mask didn't necessarily stop you getting COVID-19. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I thought, you know, I'm just going to take a second test. It just kind of will put my mind at ease if I go to work today. That If I'm asked, I can say, yeah, I did two lateral flow tests and they were both negative. 
And as I was waiting for the result, I thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be funny if this came back positive? Because then I'd have one negative, one positive, then what would I do? <laughs> yeah. And lo and behold, I looked at the result and there was the faintest of faint, faint, faint positive lines <gasps> on the what? lateral flow test. And in the handbook, it did say even a faint line is a positive result. So I think I'd taken that nine minutes after the first one, which was negative. So I thought, oh. So I waited a little bit and I think it was about 12 minutes later, I did a third lateral flow test at home and that came back negative. No faint lines, oh no lines, it just came back negative. And at the time, it was well publicized on the news that the people were getting a lot of positive results from lateral flow tests. Uh -huh. so, and they were following up with a PCR test, which showed that the lateral flow tests were giving false positives. Yeah. So I thought, oh, you know, what do I do? So I thought, well, you know, if I've got this very faint line, but it's sandwiched between two negatives, and I've done the test in the exact same way that I've I've done every other test, you know, very mm. thorough, um, that... I'm just going to put this down to be a false positive. So I took a photograph, went into work and showed Jack. And he was looking at the photo and he was zooming in. So he agreed as well that because they'd been done in a relatively short space of time, that it was more than likely that the second or the middle test was a false positive. And that day I was on a double shift. So I was doing six hours and then you usually get an hour off and then you come back in and do another six hours. Mm. Um, but that day I had a six hour shift and then Adam said it was quite bizarre that I had two hours off and then I was back in for another six. And I said, actually, because it's a really hot day and it's been really busy at the pub, I'm actually going to, you know, just walk home, take a shower um, and then walk back in into work. Uh -huh. And when I got home, I did another COVID test. So I did a fourth one that was negative, jumped in the shower, had something to eat, did another test and that was negative. Awesome. Went into work, bumped into uh, Simon in the um, changing room and he said... Um, are you positive because they say you are? What? I thought, shit, how, how's, how, how have people found out about my HIV um, status? Yeah. Um, then when I kind of was just very quickly putting two and two together, um, I realised that, you know, he's probably caught wind of the other lost boys talking that they're COVID-19 um, positive and, you know, he's perhaps just got his wires crossed and he's asking me the same question. And I shared with Simon that I'd done five tests by this point and they were COVID negative. Exactly. And my heart was racing because for, you know, a moment I thought I'd been been rumbled for, for you know, being HIV positive. Yeah. So I'd been placed in the upstairs bar again. So I, I went and set up and just as I'd finished setting up, Adam came storming across the bar and was like, what are you doing at work? Oh my god! I gosh. thought, is he okay? Because, you know, it was... Only about three hours ago, you know, that he was, he mentioned how bizarre it was that I had a two hour break. So he knew I was on a double shift. He uh -huh. was like, well, I was like, hang on, hang on. I said, I'm just trying to reach my spirit guide to try and get her to re- Channeling Oda Mae Brown from <laughs> Ghost? Yeah. Molly, you in danger, girl. Sam Wheat! <laughs> Sorry. That's my bad American <laughs> yeah. accent. But, um, but, you know, he was just, he was just really abrupt and, and just really aggressive. And I just didn't get... I just didn't get where he was coming from. And he was just like, well, you've got a loss of sense of smell. I said, well, that's my chronic sinusitis. And he was like, no, a loss of smell is COVID-19. <laughs> and given that I was aware that the Lost Boys had told me that they tested positive for COVID-19 and that they'd come into work yesterday and they were in work again today, you know, just kind of just to try and defend myself, I just said to him, look, don't bother me. Go bother the bitches that have tested positive for COVID-19 and, and, you know, and essentially leave me alone. 
And naturally, he asked me, who, you know, who, who are these people? I said, look, it's not my place to say. But surely you knew alluding to those who said they were COVID positive would lead Adam to asking their names. You know, it was just one of those moments where when you open your mouth and you start to say something and you realize that you're saying the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. It was really a way of defending myself, you know, because he was accusing me of being COVID-19 positive and... I just thought, hang on a minute, I'm not, but I, I know who is. But it was one of those moments where, you know, as soon as I started to say it, I just was like, oh, shit, you know, but how can you stop? You know, you just have, mm-hmm. you just have to keep going. And, you know, he quite rightly asked me for the names of those individuals, but I just said, look, it's not my place to, to give you those names. You know, if I said to him, Emilio and Rudy said they tested positive, if Adam went and asked them and they said, no, Will's lying, then I'm just going to look like a shit stirrer. So Adam stormed off and, you know, I just knew what was coming. It was so predictable. And as predicted, Jack came up the stairs. Oh, and... cue the fanny flutter. <laughs> For those wondering what I'm referring oh, to, dear. then check out the first episode titled Jack and all will become clear. He walked across the bar and he had his tight fist on and all his muscles were on show. You know, he had mm. his guns out. and Oh, my God. Oh, Gloria. Oh, Will, I was just getting into that. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> And he he literally just was looking down at me and he just said, Will, can you give me the names of those who have tested positive? And I said, sorry, Jack, it's it's not my place to say. So me and Jack had a few crosswords and I just heard him say, I don't think you're taking this seriously, Will. And he was referring to COVID-19 <laughs> and that was it. I just, I just snapped. So as that story unfolds in the book, um, a colleague came up and covered my break and did a COVID test. And as I sat and waiting for the result, I sat and had my had my lunch and that result was negative awesome and went back onto the bar and jack came up and he apologized for the way that you know adam had approached me and handled it earlier but there still seemed to be a bit of an air of suspicion that i was covid19 positive so i said why don't we settle this once and for all i said let's me and you go up to the office now and we'll do a lateral flow test on me for covid19 it took a bit of persuading we went up to the office and um by the end of it he looked at the sample and it was negative. Wow. So I, I really do apologise on Adam's behalf. I said, look, I said, you shouldn't be apologising for Adam. I said, look, I'm not really asked Adam coming and apologising me. I said, as long as you go... To- I mean, it was nice of Jack to apologise on Adam's behalf, but seven COVID tests in one day and you were still COVID negative. Adam really should have been man enough to come and apologise himself. Yeah, Jack did say to me, he said, look, I'm going to go tell Adam now that, you know, it, the test is COVID-19 negative. And he said, do you want me to get Adam to come and apologise? And I said, Jack, I said, it's not your place to tell Adam to come and apologise. I said, the moment you tell him that, you know, you were satisfied with how the test was conducted and that it was COVID-19 negative, I said, Adam should have the balls to come and apologise to me himself, not because you told him. But I said to him, I said, look, I'm not bothered for an apology. So what was the atmosphere like when you next saw Adam? When we closed down at night, Jack said that Adam had to rush off early. And I didn't see Adam for another couple of days, actually. But when I came in on that shift, it just was just really frosty. You know, I I was quite upbeat and I was like, hi, Adam, you all right? You're down here tonight. And I was like, okay, cool, no problem. Which just meant I was working in the downstairs bar. And it's hardly surprising that Adam's flatmate, Keith, who also worked there, started to treat you in the same way. Yeah, it's surprising yet bizarre that, you know, that was kind of a, a turning point. Um, for, for me and Adam, you know, just just the relationship was never the same after that. And it's just really disappointing that, you know, Keith, who I really got on with and, you know, really had a good laugh with um, because customers always mistook me and Keith for being the same person. 
So we always had a laugh and a joke about that. Um, so yeah, he kind of just turned turned nasty and funny with me as well. And I just thought, oh, do you know these these were these were two individuals that were a couple of years older than me, and I just thought, oh, guys, come on, grow up. You know, it's so childish. And despite all that, you still tried with Adam. Yeah, I always tried with with Adam. I always said hello and how are you and what you've been up to and did you have a nice day off and I just kind of just got very you know just very short answers you know he was the kind of character that you know if you kind of persisted um you know you'd be antagonizing him yeah I had to just walk away really which was always quite sad it's interesting how team newbie reacted to Adam's promotion and how you became a supporter of Adam I mean yeah that was quite a shock really it was like boom text message from the general manager saying look I'm leaving Adam's now taking over as the general manager. And it wasn't so much the case of me being a supporter of Adam. I mean, yeah, I really wanted him to succeed. I really wanted him to do well. A team can only succeed with a good manager and a good manager can only succeed with a good team. Exactly. And when I arrived at work, it seemed to be all the newbies were in the changing room. And I knew straight away why they were all just so quiet and just so pissed off. You know, so I wound them up a little bit like, oh, what's wrong with you all? You know, what's the matter? Who's died? <laughs> But I was like, look, guys, you've just got to snap out of it. Nothing's going to change. No one's going to consider your feelings and emotions. This is just, you know, this is just how work life is. Sometimes (laughs) changes happen that we don't always agree with or we don't like, but you just have to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah. I was to a degree, you know, kind of trying to support Adam by just trying to get them all just to realise that they've just got to get on board and and just essentially just get on with their job and and do their job. Uh Um, But I was also supporting them as well, you know, because I knew that if they were going to go against it or, you know, be really down about it, that Adam just essentially would just pick them all off one by one, you know, and they wouldn't have a job. And they all, you know, had shared that they all really loved and enjoyed working there. But as working alongside Adam starts to improve, he slides right back into bitch mode after that incident with Bagel Boy coming behind the bar and shoving you. Him and Bagel Boy um, came into work on their day off and they came into the upstairs bar where I was working. As I was preparing their drinks order, I just felt this real sharp shove in my back. (gasps) As I turned around, I just saw somebody running from behind the bar. And I said to um, Bobby, who was pouring drinks, stood next to me pouring drinks, and I said, who the fuck was that? Yeah. Because it was really, you know, really hard shoving the back. Wow. And um, he said, oh, it's Bagel Boy. And I'd never worked with, with Bagel Boy. And I'd heard lots about him. A lot of the Lost Boys had said that, you know, he was bad-mouthing me and, you know, saying all these negative things about how he didn't like oh my me gosh. how I got on his nerves. And I just kept saying to him, so, oh, I'm not really interested. I said, you know, I've never worked with a guy. How can he form an opinion about somebody he's never worked with, never spoken exactly. to, never said hello to? Apart from the one time I mentioned in the book when he was he was sat on the floor of the pub one night, pissed out of his brains after we'd <laughs> shut and Jack pointed him out as being in some TV show. And it was at a time when I didn't know who the blackmailer was sending the malicious AIDS messages. But what a lot of the Lost Boys were telling me that Bagel Boy was saying about me did seem to be within these messages that I was receiving. So Bagel Boy was my number one suspect. Yeah. And when he shoved me in the back, my just first immediate thought was the person sending these mess- these malicious messages about me having AIDS has, has alluded to the Lost Boys being worried about um, catching COVID-19 that they don't want to catch AIDS um, through touch uh-huh. or was this shove in the back you know 
really kind of just going and going running behind the bar and, and touching the, the person with AIDS or touching the person with HIV because it clearly wasn't, you know, mistaken identity exactly. or in a bid to say hello or it literally was just a shove in the back and then, then he run off. So that night I slept on it and mm. by the morning I I literally just mentioned it to Jack and Jack was absolutely appalled and um you know said that you know no one's got a right to lay a hand on anybody especially yeah. shoving somebody in the back exactly. um, for, for absolutely no reason whatsoever <laughs> and he said that you know I should I should formally report it and and so I did and and um as I highlight in the book Bagel Boy came to the pub with his leftover bagels from his other place of work in waving him around in the air and and Adam made a point of going outside to to collect to collect these bagels which fucking nobody ever wanted nobody nobody <laughs> ate them and Adam just seemed really upset that bagel boy had been told not to come on site when when he wasn't working and customers also started to notice and raise concern about Adam's treatment of you yeah i suppose relatively quickly i got quite thick skinned and and immune to Adam's attitude towards me mm. but yeah he would come up to the bar and you know, give an instruction or ask me a question. And, and um, customers, you know, would say, why do you let him speak to you like that? Yeah. I'd go, like what? And they'd go, like, you know, like like that. And I'd say, oh, he's just been a bit sassy. And they'd go, no, he's just been a... Oh, wow. But I just was, you know, just really embarrassed. I don't know if that was what Adam was, was hoping to achieve. And if so, he, he achieved it. And then customers would be busting their gut to say, you know, I can tell you a thing or two about that muscle, Mary. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, do you know what? I, I really don't want to know. I don't want to get involved. But they, they, they'd tell you anyway, and it'd be rude to stop them now. So they, they would start telling me all the tea. So there was one customer I recall that was telling me that he worked with Adam um, on the airline and that Adam very quickly became um, a crystal meth addict. What? And then started to show up for his flights late. And obviously drug tested at work and was just instantly dismissed wow. and that's when I recalled what Adam was telling me on my first shift about how he was working for the airline and then met this um, drag queen and then literally two two weeks later he decided to quit his job and move in um, with this drag queen and a couple of lost boys had told me that Adam had actually told him that told him the exact same story that's how he'd how he'd lost his job wow they were really spilling the tea on Adam huh yeah it didn't seem to be a secret were there any good standout moments with Adam? I think when you knew which Adam you were speaking to, you could either have a really good conversation with Adam or you just knew just to make yourself scarce. And myself and the Lost Boys, you never walked around in fear of Adam. It was just a case of you were just wary of which Adam, you know, you were, you were going to get. But now, sadly, I, I can't think of any good standout moment with Adam. And finally, if I said I was in the cellar key in Coke, you'd say... You don't need a key to change the cork. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know, that was when Alex disappeared, and he was gone for ages, and he eventually reappeared at the bar, and I said, where have you been all this time? And he was like, oh, I've been down in the cellar. I said, doing what? And he went, I've been key in Coke. And I thought he maybe had been looking for a key to change the, the Coca-Cola on the, on the gun that you use, the syrup gun. Uh-huh. I said, I said, just said quite naively. I said, I said you don't need a, a key to change the car. So you just unscrew the pipe; it comes off, and then you just just attach the the new box of cola syrup, and you just screw on the pipe. And he pissed himself laughing. He was like, "No, well, I was, 
I was downstairs in the cellar with Adam keying coke. And I was like, I don't get it. And he was like, you know, you get cocaine and you put it on the end of the key. And, <laughs> oh, and wow. I was like, oh, fucking hell. So don't tell me anymore. I, I don't want to know. Yeah. So, you know, so again, it goes back to you've got Adam really kind of wanting to to kind of, you know, be be the manager and do things by the book. And he's downstairs in the cellar with one of the bar team members snorting cock off a key with a junior member of the team not even a supervisor (laughs) oh that's tacky that's really tacky if you like this podcast then don't forget to subscribe rate and share